do me a favour. If you are listening, please hit the subscribe button, like, share, rate, review the podcast. It really means more than you realise. I believe every business owner has a story to tell. Through seeking true, authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey, I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast. Sam, how's it going, mate? <laughs> Gordon, how are you, mate? You okay? <laughs> I'm good, mate. I'm good. Mate, sorry, we're running a little bit behind. L- l- little bit behind schedule, mate. Hi. Well, uh, we're not messing about. I done, mate. Try to get this booked. Don't blame you, <laughs> mate. No, it's, it's all good. Nah, no, mate, not at all. Not at all. Listen, I'm, I'm sorry. But yeah, we we done the live show part of it downstairs in front of the audience. We all went a bit. Uh, yeah, we just a couple of little delays with one of the people coming in, so just put us a little bit behind. But we'll be all right. We're, we're we're back in the game, and uh, mate, appreciate you waiting around. So, top man. No worries, mate. No worries. Is my reception all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Can you hear me okay? I, I have got you, mate, but it's just um, I'm in a hotel at the minute, mate, so I don't know if the Wi-Fi is any good or not. Yeah, no, mate, I can, I can hear you. you you're, you're all good. You're all good. So we're, we're winning. We're winning. Well, look, mate, let's, let's, good, let's jump mate. straight in. Let's, tell, me, um, tell me a little bit about, obviously, as a, as a professional footballer, tell me a little bit about football growing up for you. So for me, mate, like football growing up was just about having fun. Um, you know, I was never put under any pressure from my family. My dad played football. Um, I used to go and watch football with him, watch his football. Um, so it was just having fun and enjoying myself, really. Um, but when I look back on my like, sort of early days as a young player, like, all I can think of is like that side of it, like how good it was. I remember different things like goals that I scored or events that we won or the friendship that I had with like the guys that I've I've stuck with me for a lifetime. So, um, no, it was just a bit enjoying myself, mate, and sort of enjoying playing football. Love that. When 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 did you like? When did you get to that point where you thought I'm, I'm going to make a career out of this? Like, when did you get picked up? At what age was that? Be fair, mate. All oh, like, through like, your your childhood, you get like, moments where you can go for trials and you go like picked up and you go and play a game for for them and a game for them. But for me, I I my first like, sort of real professional club was when I was about fourteen, fifteen, when I joined Motherwell, who were the SPL at the time. Um, and I used to play on a Sunday, but I'd play on a Saturday morning with my school, Saturday afternoon with my club team, and then I'd play on a <laughs> Sunday with Motherwell. Um, and like there was no sort of uh, sign at oh, he's been on his feet too much or his, his workload's been too heavy, you know, like the young lads today. So I'd play like three games in a weekend and then like sort of go again, train like three, four times a week. And if I wasn't training, I'd be playing football with my friends. So, and that was just like sort of um, the way that it was for me back then. Yeah, I love that. I love that. But and to be you, fair, we, mate, we... I, I must say as well, when I got to like that stage, even when I was playing with Motherwell, because like when you're growing up, like there's a there's always like a, a critic. You know, you're always getting rejection. You're always like, oh, he's a bit tall, or he's a bit small, or he's a bit left-footed. Oh, he's not got a right foot. He's quick. He's slow. So there's always something that people are pointing out. Oh, he needs to do this. He needs to do that. So I never ever felt like I was ever going to play professional football. 
because there was so many different people saying different things to different, you know, all the boys were in the same boat. Um, and back then, like whenever social media and like, there was less pressure on us then, but at the same time, like you could feel the pressure coming through, like the clubs, like, oh, I'm not sure if you should play there because he's this or, you know, he's that. Um, but I started <laughs> off as a striker and gradually moved back oh, into midfield. Aye, aye. I used to be a striker, then I moved back into midfield. Then I would like, be wide midfield, then I was back to centre-back. And it was only when I really got to centre-back that I started to really get recognition. Um, but I wanted to be a striker, you know, and score the goals and get the glory. Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> I just wasn't good enough, mate. <laughs> mate, a leader at the back, though, that's what you were, a leader at the back. I know, I know. When I think <laughs> back, mate, like... I just think back with pride. Honestly, I, I can't explain. Now that I've retired, you look back with like sort of rose-tinted glasses a wee bit. Um, but when I look back on my career, like there's there's very few things that you can really pick on. Like, oh, I should have done that. I should have done this. Um, yeah. But when I look back, I, I, I it's just pride, Because I, I, I talk, I, I tell you one thing, I guess that I'd be keen to ask you and, and looking at, like, I talk to entrepreneurs a lot, business owners and, and we just had a couple of interviews just now and people talking about the importance of enjoying the journey and, and, and all that. And I guess as a footballer, like many childhood boys dreams to want to, want to become a footballer and to do that. Uh, do, do you look back at the career, like you said, and go, oh, we, I enjoyed every moment of that, that period and, that, that lifestyle of, of, of playing professional football? I do now. I do now, but when yeah. you're in it, I never. Um, I loved yeah. playing football even when I was a player, but I think there's always there's always pressure. Um, people don't, yeah. people kind of underestimate the pressure that these guys are under and it's only getting worse. Um, and there's always a level of, of pressure that's put upon you that you put upon yourself. Um, so yeah. it might be there's a young player coming through the youth that's a top, top talent that, you know, I'm not going to give up my jersey easy. Um, <laughs> so it's like, no, nah, I'm going to show them, I'm going to make sure that he's, he's nowhere near it, that lad. You know, so then it's yeah. like, there's loads of things that go in through your head that um, you look back and think, I should have probably relaxed. Now looking back and when I, when I look and think, oh, I've achieved this, I've done that, I played for yeah. 18 years professionally. I look back and think, why did I not relax a wee bit during the time? But if I did relax, I might not have had the career I did because I was yeah. like sort of always th striving for more. And as soon as you take your feet off, foot off the gas, mate, you're, you're yesterday's news and somebody's going to be working harder than you. Somebody's going to come in and take your place and you're done. Yeah, I get it. I guess football, I guess it is, it is, like you said, things change in football so much. Like you said, you can be having a great run and then two or three bad games and all of a sudden you're on the bench, you're not playing and yeah. you're going, ah, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? Like you, and that must be a, a difficult period. Like you said, to play a professional career for like, say, 18 years at that level and that top level as well. Like, like I say, playing club, country. Like, talk to me about some of the highlights. Talk to me about some of the highlights of, of, of the career over 18 years. I think, to be fair, mate, like when I look back, I'll, the, the thing that sticks out in my head any time that if I think like what was my biggest achievement for me yeah. it was definitely playing for Scotland um there was no bigger thing for me but it because I feel that it wasn't just for me I feel that it was yeah. kind of like for all my family and all my friends yeah. that I grew up playing football with it was kind of for all of us 
Um, yeah. When I made my debut for Scotland, for example, like the amount of messages I had for people that I hadn't heard for, for years, like, remember you used to play football here, remember you used to do that there, now look at you. So, like, people were proud of me for doing that. So I felt like it was a kind of, it wasn't just for me that, it was for my friends and family. Um, but a personal highlight would have probably been, like, for me, like, when I made my debut for Scotland and then I made my competitive debut. So they're the kind of things that I look back and think, it's like surreal thinking about it now. Because I guess like, like you said, as, as a childhood dream, we all had that, I was, I had that dream. I want to love to play. For, remember watching England lose in 1990 in the World Cup. I remember saying to me, oh man, I'll go, I'm going to play for England one day. And that was a dream. But to, to do that and, uh, you must you had that dream as a as a young lad and then you've had to actually achieve it on what an amazing amazing feeling of euphoria like and that that near the points i guess that you always touch on and you look at your your life and 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 career highlights and stuff like that that you go how much do you really sit there and be grateful for that and be and be present in that moment and really take it in but it must be difficult with like you said with the pressure because you want to play well as well you're, you're playing yeah. for scotland so you want to play well as well so it's that i'll tell i'll that... tell you what mate the pressure that i feel in, the, in those games is something that i can't explain um really? it's because when you're when i went back to scotland obviously when i was playing for scotland i was playing for brighton so i'll go back yeah. up from Brighton and, and in Scotland like Brighton's a brilliant club and it's it's so well run and it's doing great and like they're in the Premier League now and like they're flying and you know the infrastructure and all that they've got in place there is fantastic but for people in Scotland it's all about the SPL and playing for Rangers or Celtic they don't really know how big a club Brighton or Brighton would be so for me like leading the team out for the first game at the Amex is a massive highlight in terms of looking back on my career and think oh, that was unbelievable what like, the support we had and like the, the atmosphere and then the, the late goal it couldn't have went any better but for like yeah. my friends and family it was like you're just playing a game against Doncaster like, it's a big deal do you know what I mean so, so they don't really see they don't really see the sort of the they don't feel it you know they don't live it day to day they don't live in the community like they speak to fans and like they know how people are feeling about the new stadium, like, oh, buzzing my back in the championship. They don't feel that. Whereas I felt it, so it was a big day for me, but not for them. Whereas when yeah. I played for Scotland, it was like a big day for them and me. So I was getting loads yeah. of messages, like, oh, good luck, good luck. And then when you go into that, you just, as you say, all you want to do is come out of it. Just don't mess up. That's all you're thinking. Like, just come out of this like, with a bit of respect so my family can walk down the street. My dad can hold his head up high going for a pint with his friends. You're more thinking about um, playing a blinder. You're just thinking, just get through this game. Um, and But thankfully for me, mate, the manager at the time was brilliant. Um, and he was really good in terms of encouraging me just to go and play, play my game. Um, so I managed to do pretty well. And I mate, it was a dream come true. Love that. Love that. It's it's interesting you talk about the, the that first game at the Amex. So I, 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 um, Bucks was on earlier. I was talking to, to to Will earlier. He come on, and we was talking about that that moment as well. I was there, and it was brilliant. Like like you said, there was so many so many fans. Like you obviously remember, I had the salon at the time, so people would come in, and you you're talking to the, the community who have gone used to watch people at the Goldstone and the Withdean, and then all of a sudden you're at the Amex. 
and you're in the championship and you you, you get that last minute goal and it magical what a magical day like and will said he was yeah. saying like i just that that was just because of like you said because it not just necessarily for you as a team and where you were but you the, the euphoria of the whole community the whole of brighton not just in the amex but you walking through the streets and stuff like that afterwards just that everyone just that it was such a buzz around it wasn't there at the time Oh, mate, brilliant. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'd done a few interviews before I arrived at Brighton and I had no idea the size of the club, none. You know, I've been attached to the club now for years, but at the time when I first arrived, I had no idea the size that the club was and what could be. Um, because obviously I've just played against them at the Wifty and all of a sudden yeah. we'll get this fantastic new stadium and it's like, oh, we're going to fill that. And I'm kind of like, aye, all right. You know, like, you don't really know because you don't, you don't know, you don't live it. And then all of a sudden yeah. you come down and like, it's, it's the, I, I think we could fill that. Like, we get promotion. Yeah. Like, we had a good team at the time, a brilliant manager. And then like, yeah. the next thing you know, we're playing at the Amex and the place is packed. And it's, they've never looked back since, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's an amazing space. It really is. It's, yes, it was brilliant. It, it was a brilliant period that, that first year there as well and being up there and you know i had the salon in you the lads coming in and we go up to the ground and watch watch some of the games and it was yeah it was a, it was just a brilliant time to to watch football be part of brighton and, and be within that community it was, it was it was pretty awesome it was pretty awesome i know i think to be fair as the club's grown and it's not it's natural that the club's more of a sort of corporate machine now you know, because yeah. they're in the Premier League, you know, like the players aren't, aren't as accessible as we were then. Um, yeah, sure. But I mean, back then, like, you know, we were, as you say, we're coming in for a haircut, going for coffees, yeah. going for lunch. Like, there was no issues. We were yeah. all great, good lads. It was a brilliant squad of players that we had at the time. Yeah. Um, we got the best some... some played some golf, mate, didn't we? I, well, we tried. Well, I tried. Should I say I tried? <laughs> Um, you still play? No, it was, it, no, mate, I've not played for a while. Um, getting old, mate, my back's in tatters, so um, I try and look after myself as much as I can, but golf just no, it's not at the top of my list, mate, to be fair. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Mate, talk to me. I want to I wanna talk about, uh, obviously, uh, through your playing career, who, 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 who was the best manager you played under and why? So... <sighs> To be, I was thinking, like, when, when we discussed this, like, I think when when you're a footballer, you take good and bad, and I'm currently, like, doing studying, and I'm studying a, a module about leadership, and it talks about leadership, but most of your learning comes from, like, I would say, like, the negative things, like, I'm definitely not doing that, you know, that's shocking, I'm never going to do that, but, like, mm. you take something from every manager, but my best, or my, my favourite manager was Gus Poyet. Um, yeah. it, he sort of brought me into the club but the way that he wanted to play just aligned with like, my strengths um, so it, it helped me I helped him but he helped me if that makes sense so yeah. he was wanting to pass the ball and I was like that was what I loved doing so like, alright yeah. I'll happily pass the ball and if you give it away don't worry I'll take the blame oh brilliant I'll, I'll pass it all day don't worry about that so <laughs> his, his sort of beliefs and my sort of strengths, it just sort of aligned perfectly and um, mm. with a brilliant team and really good sort of people around us. But he was he was a manager that just sort of brought the best out in a lot of people. Um, mm. And we, 
I really enjoyed my time when he was a manager. To be fair, yeah. Now, I, 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 what you're talking about now, obviously, you studying sort of leadership and stuff. And I guess as a as a captain as well, you're ultimately you're a leader as well on on that pitch. Like that. So, what, did did you did you take any skills from Gus that you, I guess, took on the pitch, but also like, that you sort of use now? I think the one thing that stood with Gus more so than I'd had previously, and, and again, it's just my experiences, but previously, my managers, I would say, well, um, if you were in the team and you were doing well, you would get, you know, your arm, the arm round you, how's it going, everything going all right, but if you weren't in the team and you weren't doing well, it was more like, you never really spoke to the manager a lot, the manager was a manager, there was a, there was a real element of it, he's the boss, we are players, we follow his instruction, whereas Gus treated everyone very similar. Like he would speak to me the same way he did a 16-year-old lad who was just coming through the the youth. Um, and he got to know people and I just always felt that it was a really good way to be. Like he'd get to know people about, oh, how, how's everything going with you? And have you passed your driving test? And then he'd speak to me about my family and he knew a wee yeah. bit about us. And he was just a good guy. Yeah. Um, and he was a brilliant manager. So that's yeah. the kind of thing that I took for him. I just thought, you know what, the level of respect the lads had for him because like, he would get to know you, he would understand you. But I'll tell you what, he was not to be uh, crossed. So he was one of these yeah. guys, he was great around the place, happy. But as soon as he, he wanted to tell you something, he would just tell you exactly what he thought. So, and again, yeah. I really respected that. I respected that there was no, there was no grey area. If you were rubbish, he would tell you you're rubbish. If you were great, he would tell you you're great. And he would just, no matter who you were, he would tell you, which I just really liked. That's a, that, that level of communication, I guess, at, at that level, it's so key, isn't it? Uh, for whatever, like you said, whatever le level of player you are, whether you're, you're the captain or you're a 16-year-old lad coming through, that level of communication is such a, such a key thing. Uh, from from any leader, I guess, from from a leadership point of view, I think for for him, I mean, we I knew that I had a good chance of playing in the games. You know, I was a captain yeah. of the team. I was doing well. I knew Gus liked me. But for the younger lads, you know yourself, if you're a, a young employee or you've just started at a new mm. company or whatever, you don't really know how the boss what the boss thinks of you or does he like sure. me? Does he know? Does he want me to do this? Does he want me to do that? Whereas Gus yeah. was like, he would get to know them. They felt more relaxed around them. Oh, he spoke to me the day. You know, a, a wee small thing like that for a young for a young pro is quite a big deal. So the fact yeah. that he was taking the time to speak to these young guys, um, getting to know them, getting to know their name, for example. My, my first manager that I had at Kilmarnock would never know the reserve team uh, names, never mind some of the first team players. So um, the fact that Gus knew everybody and knew a wee bit about them, um, was the kind of person that he was. Like he, he'd wanted to get you know, he wanted to make you feel comfortable and welcome. Yeah. But at the same time, as soon as you're on that pitch, if you never done what he wanted you to do, he was quite happy to um, tell you in no uncertain terms. <laughs> but like you said, some and I guess some people do respond. Like you, you yourself, you like people to speak and be direct about that. Other people maybe 
they go into their shell a little bit after they have someone speak to them in that direct manner, I guess. It's, it's, I guess it's just yeah. about knowing people, isn't it? It's just man management's quite a key thing, I guess, especially in that changing room. But I guess I relate that a lot to, to business as well, like to build a strong team and a strong culture. The, the relationship with that, with football especially, and with business, but to, to create a really strong culture, you, you, you've got to have that strong leader and you've got to be able to communicate with those people and you, and that's where that similarities come. No, for sure. And I think within any team, you need a, a diverse, different type of person that brings different things. I mean, I, that's one of the things that I'm looking at now, like as a, as a captain, I was a great follower. But yeah. So I, I followed the man. The manager told me that's just what we're doing. That's just why we're doing it. And I'm on the pitch. I'm the manager's voice on the pitch. And I was like, you know, a dog with a bone. That's just what we're doing. Yeah. That's just why we're doing it. And if you don't do it, I'm going to tell you. And like, I was yeah. just constantly organising, pushing in a direction that was set by the manager. And I was yeah. really good at that. So he sets the direction. I'm just pushing, pushing the lads to different places and organising through within that. So like like anything but you need different types of people if if everyone was like me in the team it would have been carnage because we'd end up fighting on the pitch because everybody's shouting each other and, and yeah, you need yeah. people that take instruction i all right you calm down and you need calm yeah. people so i think the blepo is really important that you've got within your team um yeah. and i think we, again it's important when you're building a team that you try and look at that yeah have you was you always that Growing up through the ranks of football, you were obviously captain at Brighton, but was you you always a leader on the pitch? Was that always your role? Did you think even from a young age, was you like that? Uh, even if I wasn't the captain, I'd be the, a leader. Because you need you need more than one leader within the, yeah, within the starting eleven. You need you need as many leaders as you can, and and you, yeah. hopefully you've got different types of leaders within that environment. That one person wears the armband, but you're looking for like maybe two or three guys in there that are going to like sort of pull the team together. And I would mm. always be that, you know, I would always take that role on that you take the responsibility, I'm going to do this because this is the way we're going and this is why we're doing it. And if you fell away from that or you didn't do what was expected of you, then I'll, I'll tell you. But then you've got yeah. somebody else within the team that will put their arm, don't worry about him, he's he's a dick, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, let's go this way. Um, I took that role on and I didn't mind upsetting people, whereas like I knew there was other people within the squad that would then, then pick people back up and, and move forward. And the lads knew it was only when I was on the pitch or the training pitch. Um, you know, off the field, you've seen it yourself, like we're all good friends and we got on great and we'll have a laugh. And, mm. you know, I love my time like having a laugh with the lads. I still keep in touch with many of them now. Um, mm. But... Uh, you need a good diverse mix i think and um as many leaders as possible but as i say i'll go and play five a sides now and i'll be exactly the same now <laughs> playing five a sides as i was when i was playing for scotland or brighton in front of how many other fans you want to win i'll go get out of there i'm gonna win and you're gonna oh. do that you get that. <laughs> <laughs> i don't i actually don't know why i can't like, i genuinely go into things like no i don't enjoy it if i don't win which is a yeah. real strange thing because I'm just playing five a side and it's a big deal if you win or not. I need to try and relax a wee bit, mate. Yeah. It's that competitive that competitive nature of you, mate. You can't you can't get rid of it. You can't shake it off. It must come from becoming that to, to actually I talked to I was talking to Lewis Hatchett earlier, former quicker, 
um, at Sussex and, and actually to to get to the top of your game and to play, uh, to become a professional athlete, you've got to have that competitive nature. I mean, you've got to have that drive and ambition and that hard work ethic to get there because if you don't, you you know, you're not going to become an elite athlete or or get to that high level. You know, you can relate that to business, I guess, in, in a certain way as well. You get to the top of your game, whatever high performance or that high level you, you want to achieve, you've got to put in that work ethic, you've got to believe and, and have that competitive edge, or you've got to have something, that that fire in your belly to be able to go and achieve it. I know. I think everyone who plays at a, an elite level has got like a, like a super strength or one main attribute that really stands them apart from somebody else. Um, yeah. But it's like, once you've got that main attribute, that this is him, he's, he's really quick or he's really strong or he's got a, an amazing right foot or left foot, it's like, what what the rest of the game every every manager that you've played under wants different things from you different things with and without the ball it's like how adaptable can you be and i think growing up through sport you become adaptable you become resilient because that's massive in sport now to be resilient and take the knocks um but hard work and you know one thing that i would one of the worst things you could ever say to me would be you didn't work hard enough because it's a it's a basic requirement for me um so if yeah. if i felt like if somebody wasn't working hard enough and they had all this talent you know i would make sure that they knew and i would tell yeah. them and i would speak to them on a, on a level and say that you know you're, you're doing this you're throwing away your career because you're not working hard enough but like, do you understand yeah. uh i'm trying the manager doesn't like me you know i heard the guy speaking earlier about making excuses but um, I would definitely tell them because you've got one shot at it and um, hard work's like a given for me. Should Everyone should just work as hard as they can. I love that. Now, I, I, coming to watch you as many times as I, I did, like, without foul, every game, you'd leave it all on the pitch. Like, you, 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 no matter what, whether like, you'd come off and I'd speak to you sometime, like, I didn't have a great game or whatever, but you, whatever, you know you'd give 100% and you've left everything on there, always. No, I know. And that's the thing as well. See, like, even just being self-aware. Like, see, when you yeah. play poorly, like, everybody has bad games. Everybody makes mistakes. But being able to say, do you know what, I've done this, I should have done that. You know, being self-aware, yeah. that's another step. It's like, you know, you're, you're aware enough, like, you know, you need to do better. If you're not doing better, yeah. you're going to lose your place. So, again, yeah. that goes back to, like, the fear element. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was like me... I said this in a previous podcast that I've done, like, most of my time, like playing football, it was a fear of not playing. It was like, oh, donkey's coming through. Nah, he's not taking my place. He can stay in the bench. Or, you know, he's not taking my I'm going to work harder. I'm doubling down. I'm, I'm, I'm on it. He's not getting to my place. I'm going to make sure. So like, there's things like that. And then it, as, you, as you move through, it's like, oh, the next the next thing, oh, no, nah, he's that. I'm going to do this. So it's like, it's kind of, there's a fear there that you don't want to let anyone down. You don't want to let yourself down. You don't want to let the, mm. the, the fans down, the club, and you're just like, nah, I'm only harder and harder. And as you get older, there's more questions on you as well. So, um, but no, mate, it's it's some career at back. As I said earlier, it's there's elements that I wish I'd enjoyed more. I wish I enjoyed the wins more um, because mm. I never enjoyed winning as much as I probably should have. Especially when things got serious. When I was a young lad, twenty odd year old, playing for Kilmarnock, winning in the SPL. I was like pff, buzzing for the next five days. Then I got yeah. to a point where it was like, oh, no, no, we're going to the Premier League. We're going to the Premier League, right? That's that game done. Next, 
done next. I never enjoyed it. It was just like, right, this is my goal. I'm going there. And like, I was so focused on it that I didn't really enjoy the small wins of the season where you're getting the wins, three points on a Saturday. Yeah. It's really interesting to hear that. Because, like, again, I'll, I'll relate it back to sort of business and the people I'm talking to over, you know, with entrepreneurs and, and that and, that, and exactly that, that type of thing you're on this you're on this journey and you're trying to get somewhere but if you're not enjoying that process you've got to enjoy the process and 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 like you said enjoy the process but enjoy that journey not worry about the destination what that end goal is whether it be premier league whether it be i'm growing a business to 100 million turnover whatever those things are as long as you're enjoying that process along the way that's where and, and being present i guess in them in their moments that's where it's key isn't it that's what that's where we get fulfillment from. Yeah, and that's definitely the thing that I give advice. Obviously, I'm, I'm looking after the players now, and I'll say, enjoy, enjoy this. It's really important yeah. that you enjoy this moment because, like, I was like so fixated on, like, as you say, I wasn't present in the now. I'm looking at the future. No, I'm going there. This is where I'm going, and this is where we're going as a team. Whereas, like, yeah. really, you should enjoy the, the 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 small wins if you like the week to week game to game, three points. Um, yeah. But I did at the beginning. I did. I definitely did. I was buzzing with it. But then gradually things got more serious and like we had a real, you know, nah, we're going. It's like then there was more responsibility on me as a person. So I didn't want to like, all right, is everybody want to do this? Because we've won a game. You know, you you led by example and it's like, no, no, no. On that game, it's on to the next one. So, yeah. but looking back, I definitely took that role of the, the leader, but at the same time, I wish there was times where I did relax a wee bit more and enjoyed day. I want to just talk talk to me a little bit about about life after football. Then, so because you, you're still linked with the Albion, obviously still still working as a pathway development manager there. Talk talk to me about that. So that's, that's a, I started off. Um, so life after football when I when I retired for me. Um, I felt the time was right. I've played for 18 years. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I know it sounds crazy to say that, but I was playing football and I wasn't getting old. And what, what I loved about football was getting on the ball and making passes. And it got to a point where I wasn't doing that. Um, and I thought, you know what? I'm like 37, 30. I'm not enjoying this. I'm just going to stop playing. But I was still fit. So... Because I made the decision on my own terms, I felt like, no, no, this is the time's right to step off and it's something else. But after a couple of months, I was like really regretting my decision, thinking, like, why did I do that? Like, why not just keep playing somewhere, anywhere? Because I can still play, I was still fit. Um, and then I really started to miss football because um, I thought, oh, I've had enough, I want to take some time out. I've got my own car, car business that I've been running for a number of years. And I thought, I'll just focus on that. Something totally different for football. And after a couple of months, I was like, nah, I just want the football. So thankfully, um, I'd done a, a game for BBC Sussex uh, on the radio. And <clears throat> Johnny asked me, like, what's next? And I was like, well, I'm not sure. I'm not one of these guys either that puts it all over social media. Oh, I've retired and all that. I just sort of quietly drifted off into the sunset, mate. Um, so yeah. I, I didn't need to label anything um, and then Johnny asked me like, what was next and I said oh, no no that's me I'm, I'm, I'm finished with it I'm, I'm done and then through the conversation like, came another conversation for the club saying like, do you want to do something for us 
So obviously from that, I started scouting for the club and I really enjoyed being back involved. And then gradually my role got bigger at the scout and then I started helping uh, David with the loan players, David Weir. Um, and I really enjoyed that because I've got my coaching badges and I thought I could maybe go into coaching. Um, but then this sort of, I, I was really enjoying it. And then then I got it, the, the actual job, but I, I love it. I really enjoy it. The lads, you know, I've walked in their shoes. I've been on loan. I've had many downs, many ups. Um, I know how they feel. So there's no better person for the lads to speak to than, than somebody that's been through it themselves. Um, and obviously I've got the connection for the club, which is which is great. I, I know exactly what, where the club's coming from and what we're trying to achieve. And I, the, the lads are good, good young lads. So, no, I'm really enjoying it. I might say it's also it's quite obviously that you're still linked with the club and um because like I said it's brilliant obviously having the privilege of watching you over that period and being involved it's such an exciting time um and it's quite but talk to me a little bit about the so that because you talked about a leadership course you're doing as well at the moment is that yeah. right well it's actually I'm actually doing my 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 master's in sport directorship um <laughs> And I start, I've only just started it, mate. So I've only started it a couple of months back, but the first module's mm. about leadership. Um, mm. And I found it fascinating. I must say, mate, like a lot of the things that I would do on the football field is what most people would class as terrible leadership. <laughs> because <laughs> it's just like you're shouting, balling, you're getting in people's faces. You're, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. But a lot of good comes from that. So... I don't mind having these awkward conversations and having like, you know, conflict with people. I don't mind it, um, whereas some people do. But then on the flip yeah. side of that, um, I'm learning more about myself and like what what makes me tick and what why do I, why do I feel that that's the right way or why does it feel the right way on the pitch? Because it's basically like when my emotions are up and I'm care I care about something, you know, I'm I'm in yeah. it. And it was when I'm basically yeah. caught across that line, it's like there's no going back. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think, like, the, the, from, I guess, listening to that and and that sort of the help that you were able to with the you know the, the younger lads and the team. Do you do you do you see the same attitude amongst the younger lads that like like, like we just spoke about with you and that that determination, that drive and passion to to win and compete? And I'm I'm gonna. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to. If someone's coming in, and they're not getting my jersey. Do, do you st see that within the in the team there, within the young lads? I think, I think things of. I mean, my journey was, you know, I had lots of sort of setbacks as a young kid, a young player. Yeah. I didn't feel, as I said earlier, that oh, I'm going to the top. You know, I, that would never have entered my mouth. You know, if my dad said to me, "Who are you going to play for?" I would, oh, I'm going to play for Scotland and Rangers, one day. Yeah. But I would never let's sit in front of my friends and say, I'm going to the top, lads, you know, see you later, yeah. see you up there. If you make it, great. I'm going, I would, that would never be my mentality. I was like, I'm just going to yeah. give it my all and see where it takes me. Whereas I think a lot of the younger players now, especially when they're in elite environments, they've been, they've been sort of tall their whole life, if that makes sense. They've been the best. Anything they've done, they've been the best. Oh, it's easy for him, under 10s to under 15s, they've been the best. They've never really felt, uh, not not all of them, but a lot of them haven't really felt rejection. And all of a sudden yeah. you get to a point where it's like so, the standard's so high. I think 
they're not really prepared for that rejection. And it's sometimes yes. good to have the rejection put upon them at a younger age so they can actually deal with it and think, right, how did that feel? What am I going through? How do I improve? Right? How do I manage my emotions? All that sort of stuff. So I think um, part of the job is actually like sort of when they go on loan, it's not always about we want them to go on loan and score X amount of goals or keep 25 clean sheets. It's actually like, how did you feel when you were getting sort of a senior player was talking down to you? How did you feel when you played rubbish? How did you feel when the manager took you out of the team? All these things yeah. are like really crucial for a player's development. And of course, yeah. it's great when it works out and they go and play fantastically well and score the goals and then, you know, they're, they're on to the next thing. But one thing I can guarantee you, anybody, is that within football, you always have periods of rejection. You're playing terrible. Nobody likes you. You're getting booed by the fans. You're getting stick on social media. There'll always be a period of that. So it's like, how well do you deal with that? And that will determine how quickly you can get over it and move on. It's that, it's that, it's that bit, those things in life that where things aren't going great, that build resilience, isn't it? Like, like, uh, the resilience has become a word that we've used so much that everyone I talk to on a podcast, especially coming out of something like COVID, that we had to be resilient to bounce back after that. You know, so many business owners were thrown into like, you know, this is shit, bloody hell, what, what are we going to do? Like, you know what I mean? We're in a, yeah. in a, in a tough period, but you've got to, you've got to bounce back. You, you look at so So I think that's such an important lesson. Like even, look, you, you, you've got young kids as well, the girls and stuff like that. Like, actually that thing around failure or making mistakes or how you respond to those and what actually builds you as an individual, isn't it? That's where, what we're trying to get to. And I guess that it, I'm assuming that's what you're alluding to with those players. Cause like I said, they've probably gone through their lives of having it all going well and then don't know how to deal with something that when things are not going right. And that, that, that's where mental health issues come in, I guess, and, and, and stuff like that. I think it's even tougher now with, with the likes of social media because, yeah, cool. you know, there's young players now, even at under 18 level, have got a following on social media yeah. um, because they're attached to a certain club, whether it's Brighton, Man City, Man United, that let people will follow them, see what they're doing, see see what kind of boots they're wearing, see what kind of clothes they're wearing, you know, that type of thing. And let, they, there'll be people on there that will always give them what sort of, recognition and, and build them up. Oh, you were great today or you, you're the best. And mm -hmm. they start to, I think some young young people in general start to like really need that, yeah. you know, and, and need other people's like sort of approval, if you like. And I, mm -hmm. I think that can be a danger because all of a sudden, you know what the media is like and you know what, and I'm not even talking about football, I'm talking, you're saying about work. All of a sudden it comes crashing down, like, oh, they're terrible. Everybody's yeah. on that, oh, you're terrible, you're rubbish, your clothes are terrible, what are they boots all about? Before you know it, you're getting stick left, right and centre and you can't come away from it. Whereas yeah. I think um, having that resil resilience, you're not relying on other people's approval, you're not relying on sort of somebody you don't know telling you how good you are. You yeah. know, for me, all I need was my, my my mum and dad and my manager and my wife to say, nah, do you know what, you've done all right, you've done well, that's enough. Yeah. I didn't need X amount of people telling me on social media that I was great. Um, all I needed was a couple. Likewise, if I was terrible, all I needed was a couple of people to say, do you know what, you were terrible today, I know. You know, I, know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't need else telling me. If somebody else told me, I'm like, 
you know, then it's going to be like, who, why do you think it's all right for me to say that to me? But yeah. that's the challenge um, for young people that are you know, that, all over social media now. Them external factors now, nah, it is like, and again, even taking it away from football, like you say, with that, that the younger generation that they're on there and got to get this amount of likes and this amount of followers and this amount of people on there and that external external validation from other people like just we crave that if i post something and i've got enough like oh then they get down about that and like it just it blows my mind really because like like you said from obviously i use social media now and but not it's not got the impact on me that it does on on that younger generation and especially i guess as a footballer like you say that them young lads because they got so they build up so much following because they're associated with a club that they constantly bombarded on Twitter, whatever that looks like. And like you said, again, build back to, to resilience, you've got to have quite a thick skin, I guess, and from rejection from those external factors, trying to switch off from them and building that resilience. And yeah, is that, yeah. It? And I guess is that part of your role to help them with, with those skills and stuff? To, to be honest with you, it, you know, you don't want the lads to, you don't want the lads to go and have a terrible time. You know, you want no, them to go out and experience and have all the, the best, the best, like, you play great, the manager's great, the lads are great, there's no issues and you can sort of, like, build them up to a point where, like, right, okay, you're ready for the next step. Yeah. But the first step on the ladder, like, from sort of youth football to senior football is a huge, yeah. it's a huge step, it's a huge transition for, for players to go through. And I think the more positive role models have got around them, the more people that are around them that are real, if you like, they're not telling them what they want to hear, the better it will be for them, the better experience. Like, you know, I sometimes, I sometimes look at players and think, well, I, I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know how they're going to be when, when mm. the sort of rejection comes. They've probably mm. never went through it. They're probably the best, they've ever, you're the best player, they play with England, they're doing this, that, and the next thing. And then all of a sudden, like, you're not good enough. Really? It's the first time it's ever been said to me. I'm like 19 year old. So like, you know, I'm I'm thankful. I'm thankful, mate, that I had rejections for like a really young age and I felt <laughs> shocking and like, oh, what? Because the rejections I had then like built me to a point where, um, as I say, I didn't need somebody else to tell me, but then having the, getting a, getting a coach or a manager, like these young lads might go out and get a coach or a manager that believes in them. Yeah, and yeah. even that, it's life changing. So you've got the negative, but you've also got the positive. All of a yes. sudden, you've got a guy saying, do "You know what? You can do this. You can do that." And having somebody who's like a, a figurehead at a football club telling you, "You're going to go and do this. Don't worry about it. Like you're this, you're that." That gives the young lads like huge belief. Yeah, I love that. Love that. We do. We all go through life, and we meet people that have an impact on us and and help change shape mold us or whatever that looks like and uh yeah, yeah mate that's really like you said especially with football like you say that's only got to be that one manager to take that belief in someone and 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 change their path and give them that confidence to move on uh, uh, and it's really diff i think it is really difficult but as i say because like we were actually debating it was nothing to do with, with brighton we were actually debating like player signings you know the transfer window and we're saying like you know People are desperate to get these players in, and like for example, they get the the lad that went to Man United, Anthony, and it's like, oh, yeah. I actually want him. I'm Man United want him, but 
you know, whether it works out at Man United or not, but he'll be getting told coming in the door, you're the best thing, you're going to be the starting, you're going to be number one, you're going to be this, you're going to be that, you're going to be that. It works out or not. And then he comes in like two months later, it's like, I've moved country, I'm in a new club. You promised me one thing, I'm not saying he's not going to play, but, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, that, it's life-changing for that lad as well. Yeah, yeah, Listen, we're coming towards the end, mate. I want to t t tell me what, what what what's the future hold for for Gordon Greer? <sighs> to be honest, mate, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing now, and I'm just going to work as hard as I can. What I've done throughout my playing career, and just see where it takes me. Um, as I said to you about ten minutes ago, I'm not one of these guys that's going to tell you I'm going to be here, there, or anywhere. I'm just yeah. going to keep working away, mate, working hard and giving it up my all and, and seeing where I end up. Love that. Love that, mate. Well, look, we're going um, we're gonna to finish, as I have with every episode, with just some quick fire questions. So, um, yeah. tell, tell me, what, what one piece of advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? For me, I would definitely say to believe in yourself more. Um, I touched on it a wee bit earlier on, just saying that, you know, looking back, like, after looking back what I did achieve as a footballer and the longevity I had, I wish yeah. I, I, I believed in myself at a younger age. Um, yeah. And But again, as I said, that's one that's a negative, but then a negative can turn into a positive later on because you know, yeah. I don't think the, the negativity around football affected me as, it mu as much as it did other people. So, um, But I would definitely say to believe in myself more. Love that. Uh, who's been the biggest inspiration in your life and why? I think for me, again, looking back, probably most people would say this is my parents. Um, you know, my, my dad, like, with the football side of it, I'm basically a younger version of my dad now. And then my yeah. mum, like, she's a nurturing, caring one. My dad's like, no, no, you need to do this, you need to do that. This is how we get, this is how you get to here, this is where. And then, you know, so I would say that for me, the biggest, you know, influence on my my life are definitely my parents could you if you listen to podcasts read books what what could you recommend a podcast or book to to our listeners that's had an impact on you to be honest with you mate i'm not a massive reader um and i'm going through that msd at the moment and the whole reading yeah. situation is not a great thing uh, I'm You're reading good. and I'm I'm thinking about something else, so I need to zone <laughs> out. I need to like take half an hour out before I can start reading. Um, yeah. But I love listening to the podcast, like the high performance podcast. Obviously, I'm not yeah. recommending it, it's, but that's a a podcast that I will listen to like now and again. Yeah. And I I really like the Diary of the CEO as well. Um, but they're two of the mass massive ones that most people would have heard of. So apart yeah. from that, mate, I've got nothing for you. I love that. They're my two favourites, so we're, we're we're on the same we're on the same page with that, mate. All good. Listen, finally, what what's your one rule for living a fulfilled life? What the hell? I think, mate, to try and enjoy the moment. You know, we, we spoke about it earlier. Try and live yeah. the moment and, and enjoy what you're doing. You know, you should be you, you should enjoy what you're doing and enjoy your life. Um, yeah. Years ago, like you don't want to, you don't want to live to work you want to like sort of work to live you want to live and enjoy yourself so i would say i'm trying to find out the balance you know i'm yeah. quite all in 
So I'm trying to find that balance. Like I've got young children, my wife, you know, you've got your family thing, you've got your work thing. So try to find mm-hmm. a, a real happy medium, but to enjoy what you're doing and enjoy your family. And I would say that's the the key for me. If I'm getting all that, if I get all those things right, mate, I'm 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 happy. Hey, I love that. Listen. I'm so grateful for your time, mate. I appreciate it's a late one, and um, I know you travelled, you're in a hotel, and look, I'm just so grateful for you taking the time out and look, known you for many years now, and got to know each other when you used to come in a salon and and go. And I've seen you up in Manchester and stuff, and, and just always supported me and stuff I've done. So I'm just really grateful and humbled, mate. So thanks for giving up your time today and coming on, and it's great to chat to you. And next time I'm up in Manchester or you're down here, we we'll have to catch up for a beer. Definitely, mate, and it's an absolute pleasure. I think what you're doing is fantastic, mate. So anytime. Mate, you're a legend. Mate, all the best. I'll Fair catch mate. up with you soon. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, mate. Yeah, mate. Cheers. Probably. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Nice.